Welcome, welcome. So glad you took the time to join us today. Are you tired of playing business card bingo at networking events? Effective networkers know that networking is more than handing out as many business cards as you can at an event. It's really about building meaningful business relationships. But let's get real here. When I hear build meaningful business relationships, it sounds like the results from some magazine quiz. Big on platitudes and short on practical nuts and bolts tactics. What exactly does that mean? How do you raise your game from a not work type of network to networking or one that works from once in a while to all the time? Today's guest, Mr. Steve Hand, says that it is doable. You can build a network that yields consistent, reliable results, one actually that you can turn on and off at will. How sweet would that be to turn that spigot on and off when you want? She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business M.O. LLC. He's the co-author of the best-selling book, Build the Ultimate Network, and an executive director of Business Network International, BNI. BNI is the world's leader in word-of-mouth marketing, with more than 150,000 members in 50 countries, has more than 7,000 chapters throughout every populated continent of the world, and last year alone, BNI generated 5.4 million referrals, resulting in over 6.5 billion U.S. dollars worth of business for its members. That is astounding. Steve heads one of the fastest-growing BNI regions in the United States. He's a passionate teacher and ambassador for the power of referral-based sales. I've heard him speak at group functions, and I have to tell you, he makes networking sound as natural as breathing. That's why I'm so delighted he's here with us today to help us be authentic and true to ourselves, but yet network without getting all pushy and salesy. Enough said. Welcome to Business Confidential, Steve. Thank you, Hannah. I appreciate that. appreciate the warm introduction. You know, a lot of people believe that if they just provide good customer service, that folks will refer business to them. What are your thoughts about that? Well, that's one of those myths that we like to believe, but the reality doesn't reflect that. It's uh, the kind of thing that our customers may be happy with our service, but they really don't have the mechanism to drive referrals to you. And there's a lot to that. Uh, it's not impossible, but you just have to be aware of it. So what you want to do is be focused on teaching your customers how to find your referrals. And that obviously takes a relationship before you get there. So uh, the key is to build your network and then work your network. Uh, one of the things that I, if I'm talking to a group or something, I might uh, raise my hand. How many people are in this networking event came here to sell something? And yeah, can you imagine the, the hands go up pretty high, right? Oh, yeah. Most people do. Uh, that's why they're there. Uh, and then I would ask the same crowd, okay, how many people by a show of hands came here to buy something? And that demonstrates the networking disconnect. It's not about selling. It's about helping each other. So, 
So the more you can help your customers and then help your customers see the benefits of referring business in your direction, the more effective you're going to be. What's the best way of creating that relationship? Because people are guarded at these events. You know, as you just pointed out, how many people are there to sell? The hands are stapled to the ceiling. How many people are here to buy? And everybody's got hands in their pocket protecting their wallets. So there's a big disconnect. Yes. yes How do you bridge is. that? Well, it, it depends. On, it, it, there's, a, there's a cycle that you go through. So on my very first networking event with these same crowd of people, the same group of people, what I'm looking for is who can I help effectively? So I might know who's going to be at the event. I do a little homework on how I can help them. But more likely, let's go with the fact that I haven't done any homework. I've just wandered into this group, so to speak, right, which is a more typical experience for many of the listeners. What I do bring with me is my own network. So I have people that need something that perhaps somebody in the room can provide. Obviously, just meeting them doesn't make that happen. I need to get to know them, I'll learn their capabilities, but I can start down that path. So let's say I'm a residential real estate agent, and I've just helped move a couple into a home for them that's perfect, they've downsized, and it's on a golf course because they really enjoy playing golf. I could go to this event looking for people that can recommend golf vacations or uh, golf lessons or anything like that that would be to help my customers. And that gets me back to the first thing I said, your customers become your referral source when you teach them how, when you help them quite a bit as well. So, so that's what I'd be looking for is how can I help people inside a networking environment? Maybe they're pet lovers. I can find uh, introductions to veterinarians or pet trainers and things like that. So, so if you go to the event with the intent of who can you help, you're going to have a lot more benefit than who can I sell to. And in your introduction, you talked about collecting a bunch of business cards. You'll probably only get four or five business cards in there, but they are the ones that are going to matter. Well, that's very interesting. That's very interesting. You know, there may be some people listening who are, who say, okay, I get that, that makes sense. But there are those people who will just take and take and take. You know, where is the reciprocity in this process? How do I make sure that happens? You know, can I really predict referrals? Yes, you definitely can. And, and the way to do that is to, to decide where you want your referrals to come from and where you want them to go. So, uh, again, we'll go back to that example with the, with the pet-centered uh, client that you're working with, right? So uh, you may be the case where you are somebody that can help veterinarians. Maybe you have a credit card process or uh, your staffing company that staffs medical or anything like that. And so the more veterinarians you can help, the better off you can be. So I find the clients that need vet, need vet services, and I find the network that can provide that, and I link those two together. And that's the best way to make things happen. So, again, I'm not there to sell. I'm there to connect. I'm there to introduce. And I'm there to help each other. And hopefully my product or service is somehow connected with those intermediaries. Is that right? It can be. It doesn't have to be. But, I, but I'm trying to – I know people are listening for that opportunity, so I included that in. The more important thing is to be there to help, uh, to be a – you know, have a servant's heart, that sort of thing, much more effective that way. But your, your question kind of led to how can I predict referrals? Being part of that process would help you make that prediction a little more effective. Okay. Because, I mean, people are looking to amp up their sales. They're looking to grow their business, be more successful, build more wealth. I mean, that, that ultimately is why they're there. They're not a charity. They are in business. It is for profit. 
So how can you control the amount or frequency of your referrals? Yeah, what you would look for is uh, building a process where you've identified who you want to meet and make it happen. So um, I'll give you a different example. So let's say that you're a wedding photographer. A wedding photographer, not, not all photographers do weddings. It's a big commitment for the day. Uh, it's a lot of emotion involved there where some kind of can make it stressful. But the photographers that do like doing weddings find that if they do a wedding, there will often be one or two spin-offs from that. The bridesmaid gets married, somebody else gets married, and they have an opportunity to ride that. But really, if you work it effectively, and that, so that's the, that's the less effective method. When you work it effectively, you can predict the referrals by driving them. So what I do if I'm a wedding photographer, I do what I need to do to get the job done. I take the wedding pictures, I get everything squared away, and I can you know, make sure the, the mother of the bride is going to like it, and we go from there. But I go deeper than that. I take pictures of every other vendor that's there. The florist, the limo, the venue, the jeweler, every other uh, vendor that's there. And when the whole process is done, I take my pictures, and I do the same work I would do for the, the brides that I'm getting paid for. You talked about that aspect. And I would do this sort of for free. I would put uh, a nice package together for the florist, let's say, go and meet the florist in person, provide my package, give them full rights to use it on their website, their brochures, hang it in their, in their uh, florist shop. And I do that with all my vendors. This is how you can drive repeat business at that point. So I would go to the florist and say, I just love it when you're there. My pictures pop. The brides love it. Uh, when I see your flowers, I know it's going to be a great event. And so I wanted to thank you for that. I brought this framed picture. And it will hang in their shop. And a lot of times people are coming to the, the floor shop for a lot of things, some of which might be weddings. They might say that photographer is great. And, of course, the florist is thrilled because none of my competitors do that. I stand up from the crowd, so I'm helping the florist, and at the same time, it's helping me. So by the time you do 10 weddings like that, you've got probably six floors, including the main one that you've done two or three times. So it's, it's a really powerful way to effectively drive business in your direction by creating the system to make that happen. Well, okay, let's say I am that photographer, and I've connected with these florists. I mean, it's one thing to give them those pictures. They may say, oh, thank you very much. This is lovely. Should I go the extra step and say, and can I leave these business cards on your counter? Some people need that little nudge in order to connect that, yes, I would really appreciate some referrals coming back. They're not necessarily as service-minded as you are, Steve, in being generous with their, their time or their thoughts. Yeah, that's, I, can, I can understand your concern there. It really doesn't work out that way when you're really doing it. I don't leave my business cards, by the way. I will give them my contact information because if they have questions or things, I can help them. Or if somebody needs a photographer, I can definitely, I want to be ready and I have my system built to uh, take the call and handle it pretty, pretty quickly. So uh, one of the things I would do to make that work is I'd have a good stable of photographers so that I don't have to say, oh, I'm not available that week. I'd be able to, I'd have a good bandwidth. But um, again, to the question of how much, how do I really get that florist to make the move, I really want to go at their pace. So I come in, I give them the, the picture, I get everything squared away, but I'm not worried if this particular florist never refers to me because I'm going to be doing weddings every weekend. I'll have 40 florists by the end of the year. If five of them are referring to me heavily, I'm okay with that. That's what I'm looking for is the ones that it really connects. I might get an occasional one from Joe Smith's flower shop, but I will get many of them. It's the 80-20 rule is always at work. I'll get many of them from one or two florists. 
very, very quickly. And so I'm less interested in trying to turn you into somebody you're not. I'm really more interested in finding the ones that already are. So you're planting seeds, and those that take will take and flourish, and those that don't, well, that's just part of the process. Yes, and it, it really doesn't, it doesn't matter. So, uh, if you're, again, you think about the, the, the photographer's expense, time, effort, it's pretty insignificant based on the return that they're going to get on that investment. But I just don't know of the next 20 florists which are the ones. And I don't limit myself to florists, by the way. I do the caterers. I do the jewelers. I do everybody. I plant seeds in every possible garden, uh, to use your analogy. And I fertilize them as completely as possible. So if I happen to come to the wedding and your flowers are there again, a different wedding, I'd certainly drop you a handwritten note or give you a call or something to really encourage that. I might say, uh, I posted these on the Internet, and your flowers are featured prominently in that bride's picture. You might want to take a look. So I do something to keep that relationship in touch. Again, trying to find the ones that will give back naturally because it's who they are. Keeping it top of mind, I like that. That's a, a nice touch. And also finding ways to leverage that are marginal in terms of additional time or cost that you are expending because you're there already. Yes, that's exactly right. Anything I can, I'm already doing, uh, rather than just sitting around or eating the, you know, the dinner or something like that, I'm, I'm doing a little bit more work, but the payoff is tremendous. So, yes, as long as you can do what's a natural fit anyway. So, Right, for that return on investment. You know, I was taking a look at your book, Building the Ultimate Network, and I noticed you talk about catalyst events. Tell us what you mean by catalyst events and how they work. Sure. They're one of my favorites and they're one of the least used uh, techniques for many, many people. But essentially, a catalyst event is for that difficult introduction, the person you really want to meet that's going to make all the difference in your business. So uh, we'll go back to the the wedding photographer, there may be a situation where there's a particular venue, like Duke Gardens or something like that, to do a lot of weddings. But anybody that's in that situation always has a moat around them. It's very difficult to get to them, and I understand that it should be, right? But if I can set up a catalyst event that, that appeals to them, and, and you think about a catalyst event, there's, a, there's like a scale that I like to use, a zero to 60 scale. The 60 is where it's hard pressure sales, timeshares used car sales, that kind of stuff, right? The zero is where there's no sales to speak of. It's a family event. It's church. You know, there's no selling going on. It's a funeral. There's no selling going on. Catalyst events are really close to the zero side. It's really just to have an event that matters to you. Uh, if, if I know that that person is big on, on jazz, and I'm also big on jazz, and I happen to know some musicians that they might like to meet, I would find a way to invite them not, you know, I don't call them a cold call and say, I've got these tickets for this jazz guy because I don't know them, but I find somebody who knows them who also likes jazz. And conceivably, the three couples could show up. And the main thing I'm looking for, I'll, I'll pay for the whole thing because I'm going to get that introduction to that difficult person to meet. It may or may not work. It's, again, it's like planting the seeds in the garden. It doesn't always work out, but those catalyst events are really, really powerful. And That's interesting, and it, it would seem that it also requires a lot of strategy in the planning and the connecting yeah. in order to make those things happen, because you're looking to have all the stars line up in a certain way. Yes, you, you are, and so one of the nice things, like I said, if, if it's that jazz event, I don't have to you know, get the venue. I just find somebody who's playing at that time in the place. I just want to leverage the gravity that's already going on. 
but you are right. There is some strategy involved there. Uh, it's a question of finding the person, finding their interest, making it happen, and uh, and then also following up effectively. So, uh, it's again, you don't want to be salesy the next day when you call up, but you really are looking for that opportunity. Does it make sense for me to touch base with them? In the conversation, it'll either appear or it won't. If it doesn't, no problem. I just thank them for their time. Again, after the event, had a great time. Hopefully, we can do it again some some point. I sort of, that top of mind thing I talked about, that soft touch as well. But it does take, take some strategy to be effective in a Catalyst event, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, there's two uh, people that I know that are, one is a real estate attorney, one is a mortgage broker, and what they do is they go to a hockey game. They have season tickets every time the hockey team is in town. You know, they've got two tickets. Sometimes they're just bringing a date, but a lot of times it's a, it's a Catalyst event. They'll bring a realtor that the other person needs to meet. They'll meet an investor that the other person needs to meet, right? And they'll go to the game. They don't have four seats next to each other, but they're two seats close enough in the same section. When the horn blows for the first period break, they go to the same kiosk to buy beer. It's an easy introduction at that point. So you can build systems around anything. I like to use what's already out there in the universe if you get metaphysical, but in the, in the marketplace, in the world, and use that to my advantage. Interesting. Interesting. Sometimes when people join network groups, they have expectations and timelines about, you know, when things are supposed to be working for them. If somebody is new to networking, that hasn't been part of their job responsibilities or key part of their business because maybe they've worked for a large corporation where networking was not part of their job description, business development, and so forth. What would you recommend for people new to networking or wanting to ramp up networking as far as number of groups to join or picking a group to join? Great question. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things inside there. So the first is, what type of group to join, and number of groups. There's a number of different types to join. You can join a social network, which is where everybody gets together because the Mets are in town and they have a big following for the Mets and have a great time, and that's fine. It's, it's less of a business network, but it does expand your network with people with the same interests. You can get involved in a, uh, a, a rally around a cause, Habitat for Humanity or something like that. Another good thing, if that's your heart to give back, it's really powerful. Uh, not necessarily business. Those two are not necessarily business-focused. You can join a chamber, which is a, a casual network. Uh, they do have events. I mean, there's a great chambers are good for those events, not quite as exclusive as a Catalyst event, but they can be in that range. They're great events, are great ways for me to introduce you to the people I think you should know at the chamber event. So those are, those are an example for you. Or you can join a strong contact network. A strong contact network is where there's some structure in it. It's designed, like BNI is a strong contact network. One person per profession, no competition. Every minute matters. The agenda is laid out and prescribed for everybody to have success inside there. So, uh, so those are the types you can join. If you have all the time in the world, I would join three different types because you get benefits from three different types. But you really should, if you, if you can join one, join the strong contact I would recommend. If you can join two, join the strong contact and the give back uh, community service would probably be the second one. Third might be the chamber. So you kind of look through what you're trying to accomplish. But whatever you decide to do, you might have a ton of time. There's no reason to join two of the same type, two chambers, two Habitat for Humanities, because you're not going to get the benefit from 
really building those relationships. If I join two, then I'm going to spend half the time with each one when I'm far better off focusing my entire time in just one to make it work. So, so those are the types. And then when I go to them, I kind of learn the guidelines. When I decide which one to go to, I try to find three people of each, you know, the one I'm interested in, somebody who's brand new, because if it works out, we can kind of get to know each other better and, and uh, get some learn together. Somebody who's been there for a, a reasonable amount of time, maybe a year, two years, depends on uh, uh, what the time frame is, and, and somebody who's been there for a long time. And I get to know these three people, and I ask them, what works best? What doesn't work? What's better than you expected? What's worse than you expected? I find out which ones do I want to be a part of. When all that homework is done, then I jump in and go to work. And when I say to go to work, if you join a chamber, become an ambassador. If you uh, join a charitable group, get on the board. Help them out. Be willing to give more. You need to give to, one, raise your visibility and your credibility, which will drive to your profitability. So you need to get in, get active, and get involved. If you're joining a, uh, a strong contact network, and, and really any one of them, I would recommend getting to know the people that are the movers and shakers in that organization, the centers of influence. Uh, they can mentor you. They can help you. you can, they can speed the path up for you, and they can make those introductions. But the bottom line is you need to be there willing to give, willing to help, willing to learn uh, in order to be successful at it. So hopefully that was the answer for the question you're looking at. Now, that's a fantastic answer. That really covers a lot of the landscape, and I appreciate that because if you're not in the networking business, you don't even know to think about it in those terms. So it's very, very interesting. This sounds so easy, Steve. <laughs> it is. It really is. And it's, and it's fun, too. It is just a lot of fun. I like receiving referrals, but my favorite thing is to give referrals. I love to help somebody with when I know that you're expert, expert, I mean, if I can help somebody who needs that legal advice from you, Hannah, and I can introduce you to them, that makes my day more than receiving a referral. So uh, you're right. And in the corporate world, a lot of people are trained just to be order trackers. Somebody calls in, and they need, uh, they need a phone system. They just take the order and go on. They don't know how to, where it came from. They have no idea how to make it happen again. So networking is a little more like taking control of your, of your sales cycle. Absolutely. Well, it's one thing to have a handle on the different types of networking arenas, which you've just given us a great bird's eye view of. But at what point in time should somebody decide or come to the realization, this is a great group, but the fit isn't right for my business? How much time should somebody give before making pulling the plug? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It's a harder one to know. So uh, the, the only time I would possibly pull the plug is when I know it's dead, when I've done everything I can to bring it to life. But that is, I'm doing my one-to-ones, my meeting with people individually. I am helping them. I've been helping them steadily. And I'm looking for some uh, reciprocity, as you mentioned earlier, right? Once right. I've known you very well, and I've sent you, say, 10 customers, it's just an arbitrary number. It should be, it should be a really, I mean, you really should have a number, but it's, my number with you might be different than it is with Joe Smith, right? But it should right. be a level at some point where I feel I've really earned it. Uh, then I would have that hard conversation with you. You know, is there a reason you're not sending business to me? And I'd have that conversation. What would it take for me to be referable by you? I'd have those kind of conversations. If the answers are not what I'm looking for, then I would probably be prepared to move on. I might not move on, but I'd, I'd probably look at that as a possibility. But the bottom line is I really want to make sure that, I, that I've done everything I can. So one of the key things to referrals that a lot of people ignore is the ability for you to have enough business knowledge about what I do. My litmus test for that is, 
you, Hannah, should be able to stand up in front of a room and explain what I do to a people of, you know, 20, 30 people in about, for about two minutes. And you should be able to fill that time effectively. That is how I know that when you're talking to Joe Smith individually, you can, you can refer business to me. Most of us don't take the time to, to do that training, right? We just assume, oh, somebody needs a realtor. They know what a realtor is, and they'll find it for me. It's, it's got to be more than that. I'm expecting somebody who's never owned a home to refer a realtor. I'm expecting somebody whose you know, husband did all the decisions to refer a realtor. It's just not going to happen. So we need to put that time in. So until I put that effort in, put that time in, I really wouldn't be prepared to go someplace else. So what I look at when I join a network, I want to do that as quickly as possible. That's why I meet those centers of influence I mentioned. One, because they'll, they'll get it. And two, because they'll be blunt with me. Well, Steve, we don't like what you do. We don't like how you do it. Then I've got then I'm at my Rubicon. I can either change what I do or how I do it, or I can move on to a group where it's a better fit. So the quicker I'm, I find that information out, the better I'll be. But once I've really invested some time, then my role is to nurture that network and keep it as strong as possible. Uh, so that it will work for me and for others. That's excellent advice. Thank you. Thank you. If our listeners were interested in locating your book, Building the Ultimate Network, where would they find it, Steve? Well, it's on Amazon.com, so you can look for that. Uh, it's uh, Building the Ultimate Network, and it's a, it's a solid book. Amazon's the easiest way to, to buy that. All the profits go to charities. I don't see any profits at this point, which is fine. But it's a good door opener for me, which, which I like. Um, so that's probably the easiest way. If, if, uh, if they're local, I can certainly, I have a few copies left, I can certainly uh, talk to them about that. But Amazon is probably the better bet at this point. I'm pretty much tapped out, so. All right. Well, that sounds excellent. Our time is winding down here. Do you have any parting thoughts or advice for our listeners? Uh, the, the bottom line is I would recommend that if you are interested in, in becoming a good networker, you want to get involved, get active as quickly as possible, and work it really, really hard. So uh, there are some areas, I mentioned BNI, wherever you are, there's a BNI chapter there. Definitely go visit. If it makes sense, join. Uh, BNI provides a lot of training as well. But there's a lot of books. There's a lot of ways you can do that. There's other people that are good networkers. You can learn from them. So get involved. That's the bottom line, uh, especially if you're somebody that we talked about earlier, coming from the corporate world into networking. Get involved. Uh, be willing to make some mistakes, because you certainly will. Uh, just don't make any fatal mistakes, right? Don't burn any bridges. Uh, but at the, at the point is you're learning, you can be earning an awful lot while you're learning. My personal goal is everybody that joins one of my chapters should be in profit within about five weeks. doesn't always happen, but that's the systems we're trying to build. So, Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time, your insight. It's really been great. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also, don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. 
Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. And connect with me on social media, too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.